Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Friday edition of the Derek Hunter Program podcast. I am the Derek Hunter. Awesome to be here. Happy weekend or start of the weekend to you. Action-packed show, as always. Just remind you about patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com where you will get the Week in F and Review tonight. And it'll probably be about, as this hashes out, looking at the news, that Nancy Pelosi is going to not retire but uh, she's going to sort of step back and take a sort of semi-leadership role in the Democratic House to manage her succession or something like that. I don't know. I need more time to look into it. It's a load of crap. Just get out. Uh, She doesn't want to spend any more time with her husband than her husband probably wants to spend with her, apparently. But, uh, yeah, or her family in general. But whatever. People can't give up their power. If it turns out to be true, I'm just looking at this story from uh, Puck News. We're running out of good names for news organizations like Punchbowl News and Puck News. Nancy Pelosi will walk out of the House floor and take her final bow after 19 years as head of the Democratic Caucus with a speech about passing the torch from one generation to the next, I'm told. But instead of riding into retirement, as has long been assumed, or becoming ambassador to Italy... A diplomatic posting the White House has been holding open for her. Pelosi will announce that she plans to stay in Congress as a backbencher roaming the halls in a sort of emeritus role and helping guide Democrats through their turn in the minority. Oh, the height of arrogance. How could they survive without me? You know, that's fine. Keep her around. Who cares? Beats having young blood in there. Old blood. See, when she ultimately resigns or whatever, there'll be an extra seat. There'll be a time where they have to have a special election. They can't appoint somebody to replace her. So it'll uh, give Republicans more time. She could resign now. They could plan a a special election pretty quickly to fill that seat pretty quickly. But uh, she don't want to do that. Who would want to stay at home with their husband while he recovers from a brutal attack, right? (laughs) Anyway... Enough about that. We'll get to more of that as we learn more about it. Let's get on with the regular programming. Lots going on in the world. Woke up this morning to a dusting of snow. It's a first so far this year. A light dusting of snow. You could see the blades of grass through it, but it was not what I was expecting. Of course, you look at what Buffalo is supposed to get this weekend, and it's between two to four feet of snow. It might be a football game worth watching, the, the Bills versus the Browns. For one, I love it when they play outside and do, and it just snows like crazy. I remember the very first Winter Classic. Now, most people are going, what the hell is the Winter Classic? NHL. Now, most of you are going, what the hell is the NHL? Hockey. And you go, what the hell is hockey? And obviously, you're not Canadian. We get it. And you didn't grow up near the border. But the first one, I forget where it was. I think it might have been in Boston. But it snowed like crazy. It was awesome because I... I don't, might have been Pittsburgh, might have been, whatever it was. It was someplace cold where it snowed like crazy. And uh, it, if you grew up certain north, certainly north of the Mason-Dixon line, you found any frozen surface, ice, puddles, whatever to skate on as a kid, and it snowed. You had to clean it off the surface with your stick and 
it was just a disaster, and then it would start snowing again. And where I grew up, when I was very young, uh, I, I know I skated on it, but I don't think I ever played on it. There was two rinks in the township I grew up in. Not really two rinks. There was one rink, one actual ice rink, and one place with boards and bleachers, and it was outside. The glass, as it were, was fence. There's fences. And my brother played on it. And uh, I don't I don't think I ever played actual hockey on it, but I know I skated on it. My dad used to drive the Zamboni. My dad drove Zamboni pretty much uh, weekends and winters my entire childhood. So he worked five days at uh, Fisher Body driving a forklift, and then on Saturday and Sunday there were two, they weren't quite 12-hour shifts, they were like 10-hour shifts of driving the Zamboni, him and a guy named Ray. Took one, took the morning, and then the next day they took the, the late shift and vice versa. But there was only one Zamboni, or at least, well, there, there might have been two Zambonis, but there was only one place to store Zambonis inside, and that was about five miles away down Beach Road in the ice rink. So you'd have to drive. They'd stagger the starts of the games. One would start at the, the o'clock, and the other would start at the thirty. And you couldn't do the the ice all the time, but you had to drive five miles down Beach Road in a Zamboni. There's not in a Zamboni. You're on a Zamboni. And it was funny to see because if it's cold, well, it's always cold. It's winter. You're driving outside. You're just sitting on a basically a lawn chair with padding, driving a giant ice machine five miles down this road. And then you had to go back the other way. And do it all over again. And I made that ride a couple of times with my dad. This is a different time. Now you got to wrap your kid in bubble wrap before you set him in a car. But I, uh, when you rode on the Zamboni, you either rode on my dad's lap or you sat next to him facing the back way and you're just on a ledge. The ledge when a kid wasn't there because kids were often wanting to ride on the Zamboni or Zamboni drivers brought their kids. It was basically used to set a cup of coffee on while you're... <laughs> While the Zamboni driver was driving, or whatever, there's just not a lot going on. And you could, there's a, a thing, a plunger you had to do to knock the ice down. You got to do that. Or you could stand on the back, all of which would get you, I'm sure, thrown in jail and your parental rights stripped right now. But driving down a busy road, open aired Zamboni, doing that. Ah, oh, ah, oh, days of youth. That doesn't remind me of the, the light dusting of snow that we got today, but. Uh, talking about it did anyway we've got a lot to get to you know what don't get me started on tangents we've got a lot to get to today a bunch of stuff going on a bunch of insanity in the news and i want to start off with what i think is you know what i've said is the important story in elect first of all the republicans officially yesterday last night last evening clinched the house 218 Republicans. Now, it's going to be a very slim majority. They're projecting anywhere between 218 because there's a possibility Republicans will win any more seats up to 225, depending on how well they do in the outstanding races. It'll probably be closer to 221, if I had to guess. Not a lot of wiggle room, not a lot to work with. And this is where... It's weird because the Democrats do what? They do nothing, but they won't shut up about diversity. Oh, my goodness. Diversity, diversity, uh, diversity. It's wildly important. 
But what you don't see in the Democratic caucus is any diversity of thought whatsoever. There is you look inside a beehive and you got nothing but workers. You got grunts, you got drones, you got uh, bees that do exactly what they're told, what they're expected of. And when they become no longer useful to the hive, they essentially go off and die in Congress and they, they essentially go off and lobby. But it's uh, it's not a fate worse than death because it pays better than death. But still, anyway, on the Republican side, you have a whole bunch of people with different opinions about things. For example, I think there's one, I don't even know if he survived, there was one, at least in the last Congress, member of the House of Representatives who was pro-life in the Democratic side. One, just one. Now, there are a lot of Republicans all over the map when it comes to the issue of abortion. Some people are just straight up pro-choice. Some are straight up pro-life. And in between, there are people who say there should be uh, restrictions, there should be exemptions, there should be whatever you can find. It's It's the difference between going to a prefixed menu restaurant, which is the Democrats, or a Golden Corral. And uh, you get your choice. You can find whatever you want. You can find your Republican. Look, if you're a kid, as a, as a kid, you like a baseball team. If you're a boy, probably if you're a girl too, but particularly if you're a boy, you like a baseball team. And you tend to like the the players that play the positions that you play if you play in Little League. And that's just kind of the way the GOP is. You can find there's people out there in every position, pretty much on every issue. There are people who are on the Republican side, like Lindsey Graham, who never met a war they didn't love and wants to basically give Ukraine our credit card information over the phone on an unsecure line and our social security number and answer all the security questions. You're like, what? That's insane. Why would you do that? And Lindsey Graham basically says, but it, yeah, but I love war and they're, they're, they're the closest thing we have to. We're hoping we can get involved in that war. And then there are other people like Rand Paul who look at that and go, that's insane. And uh, we don't really have much interest in Ukraine. So, you know, we can wish Ukraine well and help them a little bit, but I don't think we give them our credit card. The Democratic side, you find less diversity than that. The Progressive Caucus tried to be a little bit diverse and say, hey, wait a second. Maybe you ought to consider trying to negotiate some kind of peace here, you know? They used to be, at least pretend to be, the party that was interested in peace. And so they said, maybe we should look into that. And the rest of the left, the institutional left, the people who are likely making a ton of money off of this, as we send upwards of $90 billion to Ukraine, they said, absolutely not, hell no. What are you, some sort of tool of Vladimir Putin? All he said was maybe we should try and negotiate a peace. Stop. If the killing in the war is the worst thing going on in the world, then shouldn't you try to stop it? Shouldn't you be open to the idea of stopping it? Things aren't going super great for Russia right now. You're probably not going to get everything you want, but you're never going to get everything you want because Vladimir Putin is not interested in saving the lives of his Russian soldiers. He's recruiting people from prison. He's basically getting the suicide squad together. Hey, if you're in prison for there's even a cannibal that they've recruited. If you are some of the worst human beings in Russia, and God knows they've got a lot of worst human beings over in Russia, you can get out of prison if you go over to Ukraine. And you go, well, wait, I don't know about that. Like, But you get to kill indiscriminately. 
You get to rape indiscriminately. You get to pretty much do whatever you want indiscriminately. And suddenly, and oh, by the way, if you survive, you're probably going to be let go from prison. Oh, you mean I get to engage in what I love and get out of prison for it? Sounds pretty good. They probably won't be allowed back in Russia, so they'll unleash them in sort of a weird Muriel Boatlift kind of way on the rest of Eastern Europe. But hey, they'll be out of prison and Russia has fresh fodder for its cannons. And at worst case scenario, they get killed. So what? It saved the Russians the bullet from having to do it. It's a bizarre world we live in, ladies and gentlemen. It is a very, very bizarre world in which we live. But we've got, yeah, all these warm... I don't understand the Lindsey Grahams of the world. Oh, we've got to protect Ukraine no matter what. No matter what it costs. The Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, said, no matter what the cost is, we've got... And Mark Milley, no matter what the cost is, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, whatever the cost is, we must bear it for Ukraine. The hell we have to bear it for Ukraine? What the hell is Ukraine? We can... I said yesterday, whatever Ukraine does to the world... The world's supply of grain. They always say, well, it's, it's the world's breadbasket. I highly doubt that this crappy uh, Eastern European country, corrupt as the day is long, is the, uh, the world's breadbasket. But to the extent that it grows any amount of grain that is needed to sustain the human population of the world or even the animal feed of the world, we now have winter setting in. Not a lot of growing going on. We've got now to decide where else to plant in the world less corrupt than Ukraine to be able to make up the difference for whatever Ukraine produces or produced, right? We maybe get to work on that. Anyway, I'm going off on tangents about that. But uh, it's just very interesting. Very interesting to watch all of this unfold. Meanwhile, we do have an election coming up in three weeks down in Georgia. And the grifters, because the grifter class is not unique to one party. The grifter class is not unique to one side of the aisle, one anything. It's uh, largely unique to Washington, D.C., at least to the extent to which they get away with it. I saw this story and I thought, because we're sitting there and we're looking at a situation where the balance of the Senate is not up for grabs. The House will be in Republicans' hands and it will be tough to herd those cats, but it's good because this means that all major Democrat legislation that they wanted to push through for Biden to sign isn't going to happen. Very little will happen. And that's good in many, many ways. It does stop things from getting worse. It does stop the government from getting worse. But it also helps the economy. Now, this could be a double-edged sword for Republicans looking at 2024. But divided government that can't get anything done, you sit there and you think, well, that's horrible. Business wants stuff done. No, business wants money. They want subsidies. They want trade deals. They want protection for themselves. And they want to weaponize government against their opponents. But ultimately, they'll settle for, and this is what they really need and what markets crave, is stability. And a government that can't get big, horrible things done or even good, big, good things done is stable. We know what, at least for the next two years, the business environment is going to be like. Businesses can plan accordingly. They can order accordingly. They can produce accordingly. So in that sense, it's a, it's a good thing. Not ideal. I'd certainly like to see a lot of this garbage that the Democrats did rolled back, but 
with just control of the house and nominal control of the house at that and a diverse uh, thought caucus, you were never probably going to get that anyway. So be happy with what you can get. Now, if we shift our view to the south, to Georgia, you are undoubtedly, as I am, getting a ton of fundraising emails. Now, I've told, I just got another one. Just got another one from the Warnock people. It really is. Let me just see this. I told you I had 23 one day. Just so yesterday, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 21. Well, they went from 23 to 21 emails about and from Democrat and Democrat groups about Raphael Warnock. Give Raphael Warnock money. Don't you know that he's a horrible person? Now, a lot of those are scam packs. They're people padding. They spend very little on the campaign. I don't care about Democrat campaign money being ripped off. I don't. I prefer it, as a matter of fact. But I do care when I see Republicans and conservatives being ripped off. So I want to tell you this as a cautionary tale because you are undoubtedly getting emails. So if you ever gave money or signed up on a website, you're getting solicited. Your best bet is to probably not give, uh, except directly to the campaign. But there are groups that make it look as though they are the campaign So this story from NBC News. Republican politicians and associated committees are sending out desperate fundraising emails begging the GOP faithful to save America by getting behind Herschel Walker in his December 6th runoff against Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock in Georgia. But what's not immediately clear to recipients is how little of that money is going to Walker's campaign. Just a dime for every dollar given by small donors. Walker's campaign, which has trailed Warnock's in fundraising throughout the election. Now, it's kind of funny when you read the emails from the Warnock people going, oh, Republicans are going to pledge so much money. We need more money. We're going to, we can't let them buy the seat. Democrats are trying to buy the seat. Uh, which trailed Warnock in fundraising throughout the election is asking fellow Republicans to stop their fundraising practices or at least to start sharing more of, uh, more with the candidate. Quote, we need everyone focused on winning the Georgia Senate race and deceptive fundraising tactics by teams that just won their races are siphoning money away from Georgia, Walker campaign manager Scott, Scott Paradise said on Monday. This is the last fight of 2022 and every dollar will help, Paradise said. The companies and consultants raising money off this need to cut it out be aware if you are giving money to a pack or whatever you are going to likely not see a damn bit of difference that it's going to make that's why it's best to give directly to either the state party or the candidate's campaign himself the campaign said it first noticed the problem saturday when former president donald trump's save america sent out an email that asked prospective donors to contribute any amount immediately to the official Georgia runoff fundraising goal and increase your impact by 1,200%. But if donors didn't see the link that said, uh, click here for details to or to edit allocation, they wouldn't have noticed that 90% of their contributions automatically went to Trump with the remaining 10% going to Walker. You can change that, but be aware of it. If you're not aware of it, the default is the money goes elsewhere. Don't be bamboozled. By the way, the uh, the campaigns that 
in this NBC News story about taking a 90-10 split, once they've been made aware of it, because it defaults, it tells you about how politics works. Raising money for this cause or this candidate, we're going to keep 90% of it. Nobody would give... If you remember... uh, God, it had to be 20 years ago now, maybe. United Way in Baltimore, they got into all sorts of trouble. Why? Because their, uh, their executive team was making a fortune. Their leadership team and the extravagant expenditures and all of that. And you're like, hey, wait a second, if I give money to the United Way, you kind of expect it to go to charitable causes, and it's not. It's going towards private jets, or I can't remember if it was private jets, but it was a whole bunch of waste, and you sit there and you go, that's... And it seems like an awful lot of uh, expenses for a charity. People got fired over that. Politics is no different. These people are, uh, there are grifters in everything. And it's not even really, is it fair to call it a grift? I don't know that it's fair to call it a grift. If it's industry standard, is it really fair to call it a grift? One for you, nine for me. Mm. It's a ripoff, and you certainly wouldn't willingly enter that. But then on the other hand, you've got uh, your, that 10 cents you're getting out of every dollar or that $1 you're getting out of every 10 is a dollar you otherwise wouldn't have had or a dime you otherwise wouldn't have had. I'm just telling you it's much better to give directly to a candidate or directly to a state party that you want to help a candidate in because it's it's going to have the most impact. That's just the best way to go about it. I'm just just saying. You do whatever you want with your money. I just want to make sure that you're aware of what is being done with it and all of it. Because these people make it. I know a guy that if you mention his name to people in politics, to people in Washington, D.C., they all recoil in horror. They all just go, sleazy guy. But he built up an email list that is full of people who, for whatever reason give a ton of money he's got him on the hook and that's it it's all about your list and so he will say i will do a fundraising email for you senator so and so but it's going to be 75 25 split meaning you get 25 percent so they're fundraising he's not fundraising he's profiting off the name of somebody sometimes they do it for especially for causes with it, there's nobody to to ask for permission. The Tea Party. Remember the Tea Party? The Tea Party was a, a simultaneously an incredibly important political movement and one of the biggest grifts you could ever possibly imagine, one of the biggest scams you could ever come up with. It was a heyday for people with no scruples whatsoever. It was, a, it was their Christmas. Because all you had to do was get a website with Tea Party in it at the very beginning, or a uh, send out a, a, a fundraising letter back in the day about Tea Party this, and we were the Tea Party this group, or we're the Tea Party that group, or we're the state cities had Tea Party groups, and you, you could raise a ton of money off of it. Why? Because everybody was rushing to be a part of the Tea Party. What was going on in 2010, 2009 was ticking off a lot of people. And a lot of ticked off people give a lot of money if they think it's going towards a cause that is going to help fight whatever it is that ticked them off. 
And then you look back at the situation and you go, how many of those groups survived? Not till now. There are a couple that are, I think one at least, maybe two, that are still alive. But there were others that made it for a couple of years. They actually tried to do things. They'd held events. Now, if your group is holding a rally in a public square, you don't really need uh, $5 million raised to hold a, an event with a PA system at a park, right? But that's what a lot of them did, and they used them mostly. Go to our website and sign up and blah, 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 and suddenly you're getting emails from everything, and then those emails become monetized. If you get a large email list that is... Uh, not a bunch of duplicates of emails that other people have. Suddenly you can rent or sell that email list. That becomes a commodity in and of itself. So the whole thing, and people talk about politics, it's a dirty business in that you've got to do it. You've got to raise money. But you also sit there and you just go, isn't there a better way? And I'm not in favor of public financing of campaigns in any way, shape, or form. But I am in favor of complete and total transparency, absolute 100% total transparency. You give a dime and it, uh, it goes. I'll also be in favor of not being able to donate in to, uh, with credit cards. Nobody should go into debt to finance a campaign, unless the candidate themselves wants to do it. But nobody should be giving money. Like, oh, all right, I'll put another $200 on my Amex card. No, you're, if you don't have the money, if you don't have the cash, if you can't give it from your, your debit card or your bank account, you shouldn't be allowed to give. You should just be prevented from giving. I don't know who gets the most from that. It doesn't matter. It's a matter of principle. Also, the Obama, this is one of the things that the Obama campaign got away with. And I assume... Everything that the Obama campaign got away with, the uh, Biden campaign is getting away with since they're essentially the same people in, in, uh, involved in the same grift. A Visa gift card. Everybody's seen a Visa gift card. Looks just like a Visa card. Works like a Visa card. Could be MasterCard. Could be Amex. It's just whatever. A gift credit card. You can buy it. Oh, Merry Christmas. Here's a $100 Visa gift card. Well, that's great. So you take that Visa gift card and you can donate that $100 to a politician, to a campaign. Now, you can sit there and you say, well, it's that person's $100. They can do with it what they want. Yes, it is. And sure, they can, except that this is untraceable. The Obama-Biden campaign raised a lot of money, particularly in 2012, when things were not going so well for them in the beginning, through gift credit cards. Why? Well, you can go, say there's a there's a $2,500 limit or whatever it was at the time that you can donate to any campaign. But you can buy $10,000 worth of gift cards in increments of $100 each. You think, well, that's a lot of gift cards. So what? If you're committed, if you're a committed political hack, that's not, that's your job. That's not, you know, your spare time. It's not ruining your weekend. That's what you're doing for your job. You take that money and then you enter them. All you got to do is make up names. And there were weird names. Mickey Mouse donated to the Democrats that year. All on Visa gift cards. Well, there's no way to track any of that. There's no real human being that it goes back to or no human being that it goes back to in a lot of cases. 
So were there filthy, rich Democrat donors hiring people? I don't know. certainly seems like there could have been. And if it's the appearance of impropriety that interests you at all, which these politicians always claim to care about, but then when it comes time to do something about it, like banning stock trades by members of Congress with insider information, they all go, well, freedom. Weird how they only default to freedom when it has to do with their pocketbooks. But you could ban donations from Visa gift cards, from all those gift cards. And you should, quite frankly. Why also? Because foreign governments, foreign nationals are forbidden from giving money to political campaigns. But there's no way to know how many of Fang Fang's friends bought a bunch of gift credit cards and donated that money. You can get around it. One person can give as much as they want, and it'll be untraceable. You can suspect the hell out of it, but it'll be untraceable. Foreign entities can do it. You can suspect the hell out of it, but it'll be untraceable. Be interesting to see how that works out, but these people never really act. See, you'd think, well, that would be something that a, a Congress could do. That would be something that Congress a split Congress could get together on? They wouldn't. They both benefit. It's not enough that one side benefits more than the other, so therefore the other side that isn't benefiting would be opposed to it. There's also the fact that both benefit from it, and neither really want to do anything about it. But they will sit there and talk about how uh, they care very deeply, and they would never, and it's wrong, and the other side does it, but they won't do anything about it. That's why when they talk about loopholes in the tax code, they're not really loopholes. They're things that members of Congress put in place expressly to be there for some special interest group that they support or supports them. And then everybody else goes, oh, you know what? That's a loophole. Huh? No, it's not. It was on purpose. Loophole is something like, gee, I didn't know that was there. We should fix that. That shouldn't be there. That was not our intention. These are things done very intently in the tax code, and you're not supposed to notice. You're not supposed to notice for a while, anyway. In most cases, they don't notice for a while. <laughs> the whole system needs to be rebooted. Uh, but since we were talking about Georgia, I want to play you something because this is um, it's how the left works. Now, I don't think that Herschel Walker has been the greatest candidate in the world. Let me just say, that. I don't think that Herschel Walker has been the greatest candidate in the world. He's gotten better as the campaign has gone along, but he's not the greatest candidate in the world. That being said, I don't think Raphael Warnock is all that great of a candidate either. But uh, the left doesn't attack Raphael Warnock. The national media doesn't attack Raphael Warnock. They don't Try, they're not trying to unseal his uh, divorce records. They're not trying to unseal his uh, child custody records. Nothing like They do that to Republicans all the time. The only reason Barack Obama, or one of the main reasons Barack Obama won, is his Senate seat in 2006 is because the, uh, I guess it was 2004, is because David Axelrod, his campaign manager, former journalist, <laughs> sued to get a guy named Jack Ryan get his divorce records and custody fights unsealed by a court. Now, he was Jack Ryan was running to be the Republican he was the Republican nominee. 
it was by mutual agreement with his ex-wife, Jerry Ryan, the actress, that those records remain sealed. That was it. They didn't want their kids to know about it. They didn't want it. They just decided, look, it's been resolved. Let's keep these sealed. They're private citizens. It didn't matter. When he ran for office, the left suddenly began to argue. And of course, in Chicago, they argued to Democrats, argued to Democrats. This is wildly important. And we need this information. And the courts said, okay, we'll unseal them. A private divorce and custody proceedings held years before the race at hand, and suddenly they were unsealed by the courts. And it showed that they went to, or at least the husband wanted to go to swingers clubs, and uh, that was the ruin of him. That was the end of him. He dropped out, and then Alan Keyes was flown in, airdropped in. It was just a disaster, and it cleared the road for Obama to easily win in the Senate. There's no such push by these media outlets to get into Raphael Warnock's personal family business. The reverend, the good reverend divorced. It's amazing how many Democrat reverends are divorced, isn't it? These men of God, they, they're pro-abortion and pro-divorce. It's weird. Sharpton, same way. But uh, they've been mocking Herschel Walker every chance they get. And you see these stories today, and you'll see them over the next couple of days, that Herschel Walker went off about vampires and werewolves. Vampires and werewolves. And the recount has a, uh, a video. They're the, if you have Showtime, you're subsidizing the recount. It's paid for by them. And they say, oh, you know, uh, Morning Joe this morning tweeted out, Herschel Walker veered off in a campaign speech to rant about werewolves killing vampires. And they linked to a business insider story about, oh, Herschel. So I thought about this and I said, well, what, what is this? And there's the video. It's in there, a guy named Philip Lewis, who's a front page editor for the Huffington Post. Has a video of Herschel Walker. And sure enough, in the video, he does talk about werewolves and vampires. But in the whole video, and this is always the key, in the whole video, he's making an analogy about having faith. Now, Democrats have no faith in anything other than themselves. They have no faith in anything other than government. And anybody who has faith in God or anything not uh, related to government uh, is bizarre to them. They don't understand it. So they mock it. And it's really easy if you just take a part of this little clip and you pull a headline like, oh, he veers off in a campaign speech to rant about werewolves and killing vampires. You're like, huh, that sounds weird. That sounds bad. Unless you watch, not the snippet, but the whole clip of Herschel Walker's statement in which he does make the analogy. Analogies are kind of a big deal, are kind of important. But uh, they don't want you to know that. So what exactly did Herschel Walker say that was so absurd, so beyond the pale, so ridiculous that major news organizations ran off and talked about how he's talking about killing werewolves and vampires and everything, and they're like, oh, he just went off on some weird tangent. He's just a weird guy. The implication is always that the Republican is stupid. It's all Since Ronald Reagan, I don't know what it was like before Reagan, 
I well, I guess I've seen Saturday Night Live clips from when it was Gerald Ford as president. They made him out to look like an idiot too. He had to be stupid. He's a Republican. He's a bumbling fool, falling all over the place. Just a stupid, stupid guy. Nixon was corrupt, so they didn't try to make him seem stupid. He was just corrupt. You know, there's a problem. There's no just like uh, the only president in my lifetime that was a Republican that the Democrats didn't paint, didn't call, didn't nickname, didn't imply was stupid was George H.W. Bush. They couldn't paint him as stupid. He had to be corrupt. He was a wimp. Remember that, too? He's corrupt and he's a wimp. That was what they said about him. But Reagan was stupid. He's just a doddering old man and uh, all of his uh, handlers are the brains behind it. And then George W. Bush, he's... uh, he was dumb, and Karl Rove was called Bush's brain. The implication being George W. Bush is too stupid to be able to think for himself. Donald Trump, obviously moron and corrupt. They threw everything they could at, at Donald Trump, including the kitchen sink. That's how it works. And it's, you know, that the, the presidential level is the, you know, I don't, I don't think they said anything about Eisenhower. I think Eisenhower was was too far uh, appreciated to have anything like that thrown at him. And then before him, I guess I guess you look at Hoover, and they said uh, Hoover was stupid too. But it was always, you know, it's, at least in modern times, Republicans are stupid, except for the few Republicans that just you can't look at. You can't look at George H.W. Bush's resume. the head of the CIA, member of Congress, ambassador to China, head of the RNC, World War II hero shot down, blah, blah, blah. They couldn't say, but this guy's a moron. They couldn't do that. So they just said he was a wimp, which is weird for a guy who is a World War II hero. But that's beside the point. Democrats don't let facts stand in the way of a good story. Well, Herschel Walker is getting the same kind of treatment that every Republican gets. He's an idiot. He's a dumb person. That's how it is. And the Huffington Post and Business Insider and Morning Joe, it's not collusion. It is conformity. That's the difference. If you look at what the left does, it's not collusion. They don't really have this, although there are some times where things are discussed. But it is conformity. Oh, somebody said uh, gravitas. Everybody, it's the perfect example. 2000, when George W. Bush was running for president, he'd gotten the nomination. He was looking for a vice presidential nominee. Dick Cheney was in charge of looking. It turns out Dick Cheney found himself. But when Dick Cheney was announced, he had yet to turn himself into the devil incarnate in the media's eyes and the left's eyes. But it was one word that caused that I'd never heard it before. And you don't really hear it all that often since, but you notice it now because they used it so much back in 2000. It was gravitas. George W. Bush had to pick Dick. Dick Cheney's a serious guy. He brings much-needed gravitas to the ticket. Remember that? Oh, much-needed gravitas. There was no order that went out said use the word gravitas. Democrats didn't send out a, well, back then, a fax telling everybody in the media, here's the word. Just somebody used it, and everybody else in the media said, that's a good word. That's, that describes it perfectly. It makes us sound smart. I guarantee you none of those people used the word gravitas before then. Most of them likely didn't know what the word gravitas meant. 
before then. Many of them using it didn't know what it meant while they were using it. They just knew that this was the word that their producer told them to use because other people were using it because it was, you know, it, it fits it. It makes the speaker of it sound smart. It makes the listener of it, the hearer of it sound stupid, going, what does that word mean? And uh, when you look it up, they say, oh, well, the person who used it must be smart to be able to use this. You can figure out pretty easily what it meant. But that was, that's how it works. There's no, like, attention, everybody. Attention, Kmart shoppers. Attention, Kmart shoppers. Um, when referring to Dick Cheney, make sure you use the word gravitas. That's not it. That's not it. It was, uh, it just happened. Just like in, what year was it? 2012, I think, when uh, Osama bin Laden was finally executed by SEAL Team 6. Somebody in the media said it was a gutsy call. Or, no, it's like somebody in the White House. Somebody called it a gutsy call to send in SEAL Team 6 into Pakistan. It was a gutsy call on behalf of of Obama. It really wasn't a gutsy call at all. What else was he going to do? If you, if it had f- come out that Barack Obama knew where Osama bin Laden was and he did nothing about it and Osama bin Laden got away, he got suspicious and disappeared, that would have been the end of the Obama presidency. That would have been it. There would have been such outrage in the country that that would have been the end of it. There was really no other choice. Once it became known that that was where Osama bin Laden was, the clock started ticking about somebody else finding out about it. Somebody else leaking it, somehow that getting out. And that also leads to the clock ticking of Osama bin Laden getting the heck out of Dodge, right? So if you didn't act, if he didn't act when he acted there would have been hell to pay. So it wasn't really a gutsy call. But they all started using gutsy call. And they, well, the local Democrats say it was a gutsy call on behalf of the president. And they somebody bought gutsycall.com, and that led to, you went to it, and it redirected you to Barack Obama's campaign website. They, oh, is this all coordinated, or were they opportunistic, or whatever? It doesn't matter. It all happened in a matter of hours. It all just came together. Somebody sees something, and then it gets repeated over and over and over again, and then it becomes a normal part of the lexicon. That Herschel Walker, that Republicans in general, and Herschel Walker in particular is dumb, is the narrative that the media wants you to think. Conversely, if you ever listen to Raphael Warnock talk, when he's not spewing racism, he's not exactly spewing uh, E equals MC squared. So... When you take clips of anybody out of context, you can make them look a little bit weird, a little bit strange, what have you. And that's what they did here. So I want you to hear the entirety of this clip, and you can decide for yourself whether or not the analogy makes any sense. But you will note that it is an analogy. It is an analogy. And the Business Insider and Morning Joe characterize it as, quote, Herschel Walker veered off in a campaign speech to rant about werewolves killing vampires. Is that what you hear here? I'm going to tell you to keep the faith. Oh, you ever watch a stupid movie late at night hoping it's going to get better, don't get better, but you keep watching it anyway? Because the other night, the other night I was watching this movie, I was watching this movie called Fright Night, Freak Night, or some type of night, but it was about vampires. I don't know if you know vampires and cool people, are they not? But I'm going to tell you something that I found out. A werewolf can kill a vampire. Did you know that? 
I never knew that, so I didn't want to be a vampire anymore. I wanted to be a werewolf. But then anyway, as I'm watching this movie, and then you can tell how stupid it is because it's one in the morning. So I'm watching my TV, are these kids watching their TV, or a vampire kill on their TV. So you know it's kind of stupid, but I'm still watching, though. As I'm watching this show, what was funny, these kids had a vampire in their attic at their house. So they were watching their TV. Now, I'm watching my TV. As they're watching their TV, or they see the vampire killer on their TV. So they win this contest to bring this actor. Now, y'all got to stay with me. Bring this actor who's a vampire killer from that TV to get rid of this real-life vampire in their attic. So as this actor comes to their home, he got all the right stuff. He got all the right stuff because, you know, I got to have a state and got to have a thing to kill him in the heart. And he got a necklace of garlic because that worked. I don't know what it does, but it worked. got to have a cross because it burned. I know that worked. And then all of a sudden, this is what was so funny about it. As they're walking through the house, this, this, this guy's got the holy water. He's blessing the house, this actor. Now, he's all fake. He's blessing the house with his holy water. They walked upstairs, and this vampire looking real good in this black suit. Whoa, that sounds like Senator Warnock, doesn't it? Looking all good in this black suit. Floated from the ceiling. He floated from the ceiling looking good and cool. And I'm thinking, whoa, they better get out of that house. If somebody float from your ceiling, get out of that house. That's, that's not your house. But as he floated from the ceiling, the kid jumped behind that hero. As they jumped behind that hero, the guy jumped in front of him with this holy water, threw it on the vampire's forehead. He covered his eyes. Then he took his hand away. He started laughing. And he said, that don't work. He took the cross, he put it on the vampire's forehead. And the vampire didn't even do anything. He said, that don't work. And that's the way it is in our life. It doesn't even work unless you got faith. It is time for us to have faith. We got to have faith in our fellow brother. We got to have faith in this country. We got to have faith in, this, in the elected officials. And right now, that's the reason I'm here. All right. He's describing the movie Fright Night. I remember the movie Fright Night. There is uh, it's Chris Sarandon, who was Susan Sarandon's husband back in the 70s, I think. And Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell is the TV actor who uh, they bring in to help kill the vampire. And he puts the cross up. And uh, Chris Sarandon, the vampire, goes, ah, just starts laughing and grabs the cross. And he says, it doesn't work if you don't have any faith. If you don't believe in it, it doesn't work. At that moment, or right thereafter, Roddy McDowell gets the faith. He sees the light, and then suddenly the cross starts to work, and the vampire is injured by it. But it's a story about keeping the faith. Now, he went on a little long. He's going off on little tangents. He's making it entertaining because it's a political speech. But it is not some random thing where he's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to talk about what I'm going to do about health care. But let me tell you about this movie I saw. Oh, man, this movie was fun. Anyway, apropos of nothing, vampires, and I wish I were a werewolf now. No, that's not at all what happened. That is how it is portrayed. Because they only play you about half that clip. They only, the recount... Played, that clip was two and a half minutes long. The recounts clip was one minute and 14 seconds, I think it was. They stop it about halfway through. Now, you could pick any point in there, in the middle, to stop that clip, and you'd be left going, what the hell does that even mean? What is he talking about? And why is he talking about it? You have to go all the way to the end until you get the resolution about faith and having to keep the faith and having to have faith. But if your interest, if your objective is not to tell the truth, to not inform an audience, you stop it wherever you want and you say, can you believe this idiot talking about he wants to be a werewolf and not a vampire because vampires can be killed by werewolves? What an idiot! He can't be a United States senator. No way, no how. Yeah.
Meanwhile, the networks that will be running this to death will never run Raphael Warnock talking about how this nation needs to repent for its whiteness. He said that from the pulpit. He said it on video. It wasn't surreptitious. It wasn't off the cuff. It was part of a sermon. And he said it. He said it. And Democrats look at that and go, that's not controversial. That's actually accurate. That's the way things should be. It's weird how that works. This is journalism in 2022, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I want to shift gears here and talk about this trans stuff for a minute or two because we've got this guy. It's a guy. A guy who won the uh, beauty contest. There's no way now. It's not a beauty contest, whatever it is. The uh, UK Daily Mail. A student has become Miss America's first ever transgender contestant to win a local pageant prompting critics to accuse the woke competition of, quote, allowing opportunities to be stolen away from female contestants. Now, there's no doubt that this was it. If you have daughters, if you have a wife, if you're a woman yourself, you look at this and you go, what the hell? Why Why are we tolerating this? In every circumstance, there's going to be some guy going, uh, you know what, I'm a woman and I want in on this. And you sit there and you think, this this leads nowhere good. Now I don't. This is gonna. The guy hasn't changed his name, Brian Nguyen. So I don't know if he's faking it or not. But sooner or later, somebody's gonna be faking it. Sooner or later, somebody's gonna be faking it, and they got. Uh, you know, you've already had the uh, women's soccer team get. You know, destroy the. Uh, just get destroyed by a high school team of soccer kids down in Texas, like one school, not even like the best of in the country or even the county. It was just one school soccer team. They kicked the hell out of them. So what's to say if you can't make it in Major League Soccer, the Premier League or the Bundesliga or whatever, then you go, you know what? I, uh, I'm i a woman now or I'm, I'm gender fluid, non-binary, whatever, gender diverse. This is the thing that kicks that that kills me. It, it laugh, makes me laugh hysterical, as they talk about gender diverse. Now you think, well, gender diverse is, you know, you got a room full of men and women, or even if you want to use the new woke language, you got a room full of men, women, and trans, and whatever, and and pansexuals, and asexuals, and whatever. And that, there's your gender diversity. But no, when they say gender diverse, they're talking about one person. One individual, an individual person cannot be diverse. They do the same thing with race, too. I come from a diverse community. I'm a diverse person. Like, no, no, you just you just code for whatever your skin color is or whatever you're, you're doing. Stop playing their games. It's so stupid and it's offensive, too. It breaks down somebody to their insignificant characteristics. At best, there's nothing nothing you can do about it. Whatever you are, you are. Whatever you look like, you look like. Whoever your parents were, your parents were. There's nothing you can do about it. You don't get to be celebrated. Oh, congratulations for having such diverse parents. Uh, didn't have any say in it. They didn't. God didn't give me a vote. And that's not how the universe works. But the left celebrates it. Achievement, they don't celebrate. Achievement is problematic. Achievement makes other people feel badly about their lack of achievement. So don't celebrate achievement, but celebrate your existence. No, no, thank you. I, uh, you know, I will not judge you 
by the color of your skin, but I will do so by the content of your character. Somewhere along the line, the left, which still tries to claim domain over the Reverend Martin Luther King, is doing the exact opposite of the most famous line the man ever uttered. It's really an amazing thing to watch. Oh, no, he would have hated Republicans. He would have been an activist today. He was against poverty. Okay, yeah, great. He's also kind of against racism. You know, he's kind of against judging people based on the color of their skin. And that's where he, That was kind of his big thing, right? He was involved in a lot of things. But his big thing was, hey, uh, not a big fan of racism. And he would have viewed racism the way that well, that is really racism, that if you are judging people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character, it's problematic, right? I'm right. You don't have to agree, but you know I'm right. Anyway, the story about the uh, trans beauty pageant winners. Earlier this month, Brian Nguyen, 19, made Miss America history when she became the first transgender woman to win the Greater Dairy title. The Miss Greater Dairy Scholarship Program set up by the Miss America organizations welcomes contestants between the ages of 24 and 17, blah, 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 who are judged on, quote, their achievements in scholastic aptitude, talent, character, community service, and poise, according to the website. In April, the business management student will compete against other locals to hold the title of Miss New Hampshire 2023. And again, this dude looks like Danny DeVito in a dress with long hair and a full head of hair, but like Danny DeVito in a dress. The winner of the state round will then proceed to participate in the wider Miss America pageant later in the year. However, Miss Great Britain 1998 winner Leilani Dowding said she was disappointed to see Brian win the crown over other contestants, over women. Writing for the Daily Fetch, the 42-year-old said, quote, I won Miss Great Britain competition in 1998, and aside from all the glitz and glamour on the surface of it, it involved a lot of time and effort. Seeing the news that Brian Nguyen won the pageant made me think of how I would feel if I was beaten by a large biological male after spending months training and preparing for the contest. Don't take my word for it. Now, the woman is very attractive to this day, Leilani Dowling. She is a conservative. She lives in the United States of America now, and she is a conservative. I don't know how well-known she is. She doesn't have a super large social media footprint before yesterday. I think it's, it's grown significantly. But she put out a video on social media of her making her very case. I found it compelling. Here it is. So in 1998, I won Miss Great Britain and it opened up a whole world of opportunity for me. Not just the prize money, the endorsements and TV appearances, but when I wanted to move to America, um, it was really instrumental in helping me get my visa. Now, uh, a biological male, an overweight one at that, has just won um, Miss Greater Derry in New Hampshire. Um, Brian Wen, not even a female name, caked in makeup, nothing like the pretty natural girls that entered the competition, has not only taken first place, they've taken away the chance for a female to have a scholarship 
and use that prize money for something towards her future. Now, these girls, I saw them stand around clapping and smiling, and I don't know if they felt like they would be singled out or whether they really are a woke bunch, but for goodness sake, for the sake of females going forward, we cannot allow this. So they don't even realize the opportunity that has been stolen from them by a biological male and it's out of control. She's right. She's absolutely right. And she's making completely valid points. Look, these are things that if you look at how the left has set up society and tried to structure society, it's very screwed up. Affirmative action is their baby. Affirmative action, wildly important to the left. It was set up bipartisan way, created to help right the wrongs that, quite frankly, Democrats had perpetrated against black people. And as soon as it was passed, as soon as it was created, the Democrats set about doing what? Cheapening it and expanding it. Everybody, everybody, anybody who's not a white male, a straight white male, qualifies for affirmative action now. Like, why would, why would Democrats support that? They, they were trying to right their wrongs. And, well, maybe it's because they don't really feel like they did what they did was wrong. It's just for show. But the greatest beneficiary of affirmative action policies is is white women. <laughs> it just is. There are more women than anybody else on the planet, and they now qualify for affirmative... They've long time qualified for affirmative action and have benefited from affirmative action. Meanwhile, the people that it was designed to help hasn't really helped. Democrats and the laws of unintended consequences, although I would say that the consequences were actually kind of intended. Democrats knew what they were doing. They didn't really care what they were doing. They were, uh, they wanted to appear. They were trying to shed their racist past while keeping their racist past. It's divide. I don't think they believed in racism by the time the civil rights movement started racking up victories. Most of them anyway, although a lot of them did. The people that Joe Biden hung around with when he first came to Washington certainly did. But in general, it's they understand they have to divide to conquer. You're a part of this group. As a part of this group, you need to realize that that other group is coming to get you. They're trying to stop you. They're trying to hurt you. They're trying to harm you. Don't worry, though. If you elect us, we'll keep that group at bay. We will keep that group at bay. We will stop that group or those other groups from coming at you and hurting you. We'll protect you. We'll be your heroes. And you sit there and you go, that. Well, if they're coming to get me, definitely I want somebody, in, certainly in government, looking out for me. The thing is, the weird thing is, the people who are looking out for you are passing all these policies that are really, if that other group really were out to try and get you, try to harm you, I'm not sure what they would do differently than the, uh, the people who are supposedly protecting you would do. I don't know what they could do any differently if you wanted to harm various groups of individuals in this country, what you could do differently than what Democrats do. So this uh, Brian Nguyen, there's no way on God's green earth that this person won on merit, all right? Even if you say, well, you know, you got to judge everybody by it. Okay, fine, judge everybody by uh, the set of criteria. And if you want to accept that this is a woman, this dude is a woman, go ahead. You're free to accept that this dude is a woman. But this dude is 
very overweight, just caked on makeup, just caked on makeup, and hasn't even made an effort. Just, hey, my name's Brian. My name's Brian. That's why I can't be sure this person isn't just doing this as some sort of uh, sociology experiment or something. But that is uh, a problem because the other women and all the standards meet all the standards of it. And it's physical fitness. It's everything you can possibly do. Who, uh, you know, it, it, all the, the, the qualifications and criteria, they meet them. And I'm sure they have impeccable resumes. You don't get to the point where you, nobody's sitting around going, all I do is smoke and drink all day, but to hell with it, I'm pretty. So I'm going to enter this contest. It's not a beauty contest. They've changed that a long time ago. Academically, they're probably all A students involved in the community. The only thing that differentiates this guy from the women who are competing is that he's a guy. And with leftists, as they have infested every aspect of society and everything that's enjoyable about life, they go, oh, you get bonus points for being a dude. You're so brave. You're so wonderful. You're so heroic. Well, this, first of all, that's garbage. Second, I love it. Like, oh, he's so brave to come out. Like, no, you kidding me? The entire apparatus of media in this country and the Democratic Party, Hollywood, every major industry really because they're terrified of the woke culture stands up and applauds like a barking seal like, oh my god so brave look at this so on everything it's not it's a dangerous time to come out no look i don't care if you come out or not I, it's up to you but you can't pretend that it is 1920 it's not 1920 anymore you don't get credit for something that is that people are waiting to throw you a ticker tape parade over okay you just don't sorry those are the rules and if you're trans or pretending to be trans or whatever you have gender dysphoria it's not brave oh it's so brave to tell the world no maybe your family won't like it maybe your family or friends will look at you and go you're full of it we know the truth you're just uh, you've got mental problems whatever but a large chunk of society is designed to go, oh, it's so brave, so wonderful. Meanwhile, these women who have worked to get to this point are sitting there watching this fat, short, Danny DeVito-looking dude waving with the crown on and the sash that says, Miss Greater Dairy. Their dreams of scholarship, and you can see them in the background. Some of them are forcing a smile. Some of them are like going, oh, my God, what the hell? What the hell has society come to? And you suspect that the women that are smiling and clapping wildly are uh, thinking inside, you better make sure you clap enough. If they find out what you're thinking, you're going to be in trouble. They will come and cancel you. If you say anything, they will come and cancel you. It's like those people who, as they're being dragged out to their execution by Saddam Hussein, are still applauding in the parliament like, oh, Saddam, you're so wonderful. As they're being dragged out to their death, they think they can applaud their way out of the hell that they find themselves in no you can't you can only defeat these people if you can do it that's what makes georgia so important all right and the remaining time we have left i got a couple of clips i want to play for you this guy out in arizona in maricopa county they're still counting ballots out there 
It's over. I saw something today that from Jim Garrity at National Review that if Carrie Lake won 99% of the outstanding ballots, she would still lose. So that race is over. But the fact that they're still counting ballots is problematic. It's ridiculous. It's not that they're just sitting around in, in boxes. The real problem is the law that says as long as the... Uh, Ballot is mailed in, and uh, we receive it by the following Saturday, following the election. It's good. It has to be postmarked on the day of the election, but you can, we can get it at any time. It's a real testament to the efficiency of the of the uh, U.S. Postal Service if you're mailing something from within the state, from presumably within a really relatively small geographic area. Unless you're going, I'm going to mail my. I'm going to go all the way to the far side of the state to mail my ballot that it would take a week or the better part of a week to show up or could, or they had to prepare for it, is a testament to the efficiencies of the U.S. Postal Service. Anyway, this guy gets up there. Now, I don't know if he's being serious or not. So take it with a grain of salt in that this guy looks like a leftist hippie. But then again, I don't exactly look like a, a super concern. We met this guy a couple of weeks ago who uh, owns an ice cream shop. And like we talked to him, and it turns out that he's a super hardcore conservative guy. And he knew who I was, but not by sight, because he looked at me, and I had long hair and scraggly and wearing a whatever, looked like a homeless guy with a couple of kids and a wife running around. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, oh my God. And, and he couldn't have been nicer. He couldn't have been more surprised. So you can't judge a book by its cover. But sometimes you can And it wouldn't surprise me if this guy thought that he would go up and give a speech to uh, what uh, he might describe as illustrate the absurdity of the evil right wing or what have you. But uh, he hits, I suspect he's real just because of the points that he makes until the end when he pulls a Willy Wonka with the good day business. But he makes a hell of a point about the vote counting issue. Now, the votes are supposed to all be in. Even if they were, if they, you just follow the laws of Arizona, the votes are supposed to be received in order to count, are to be received by Saturday, last Saturday. At which point, if they are not, in fact, received, they should be thrown out. If they come in the day after or uh, the Monday after, they should be thrown out. Sorry, you're too late. Tough, you have the rules. But. That's not how the rules work. And then once you get them all on Saturday, once the mail delivery truck comes, you should be able to count them all in short order. It's an embarrassment to the country. The people of Arizona and Maricopa County are not, it is not lost on them. It's the political class that simply doesn't give a damn. And isn't that often the case? The political class just doesn't give a damn. So this guy gets up at a public hearing and gives them, shall we say, the business rather effectively. Until he freaks out a little at the end. I think it's justified. That just makes me think that maybe he was faking it. Good morning. Once again, the eyes of the world are upon Maricopa County for another botched election. Am I here to accuse you of stealing the vote? Heavens no, for that would make me a terrorist, wouldn't it? Let me ask you. If you took your life savings to a bank and the teller put them in a machine and the machine kicked out one out of four of your bills and the teller said, 
Don't worry, we'll put them in box three over here. And we'll let you know how many were in there later. We'll send them off to a separate location, and someone will be sure to get back to you and tell you how much money you have. Would you be okay with that? No, you would not be okay with that. Now ask yourself the question, which is more valuable, your vote or your money? Now ask a lobbyist that same question. Now ask a campaign manager that question. Now ask Mark Zuckerberg that question, which is more valuable, your money or your vote or your country or this world or the corruption that is taking over every single county in this nation? And then you look into your own soul and you look back at yourself in the mirror and realize that you are the cancer that is tearing this nation apart. Good day. Thank you. At the end, when he, he starts screaming, you're like, okay, is this guy doing some performance art or whatever? But sometimes, sometimes crazy can be right, too. Sometimes crazy can be right too. I just, uh, you know, sometimes you got to, maybe you don't want to feather the brakes, but you can take your foot off the gas, right? You can take your foot off the, just take your foot off the gas. It's okay. You still, the car is still moving. If you take your foot off the gas, if it's already moving, it just slows you down a little bit. But the sentiment there was great until the, he pulls all Willy, Willy Wonka at the end. I said, good day, sir. You get nothing. <laughs> Lastly, I want to play you a bit of uh, Ron DeSantis down in Florida. The media, I don't know what Donald Trump is going to end up doing ultimately if he's going to spend a lot of his, because nobody's ever campaigned for a year and a half, basically, before a primary or a caucus. So I don't know how he's going to occupy his time. He could fundraise, he could campaign, he could go out and try and broaden the base and everything, and that would be great. That'd be best he could end up just being a Tasmanian devil in the Republican Party and picking fights with everybody. It remains to be seen. But the media certainly would like him to do that, pick as many fights as possible. And so they asked him about a civil war in the GOP, and he won't take the bait. This is a really good answer. It'd be nice if all Republicans adhered to this. Look, I think we, we just we just finished this election, okay? People just need to chill out a little bit on some of this stuff. I mean, seriously, we just ran an election. We have this Georgia runoff coming, which is very important for Republicans to win that Georgia runoff. I mean, I know around the country, uh, Florida was kind of the, the biggest bright spot. It was not so bright in many other parts of the country. It was, a, it, was a, it was a substandard performance given the dynamics that are at play. So hopefully we'll be able to be able to do that. But I think what people like me who've been given the opportunity to continue is, okay, uh, let's do something with that. And the reason why we won historic victory is at the end of the day, we led, we delivered, and we had your back when you needed us. That, that is why we won big. Amen. He's right. He's absolutely right. And the media isn't interested in that narrative. The media wants a fight. I hope all the candidates are smart enough not to give it to them. 
Time will tell. Anyway, that is it for the week and for today and everything. Don't forget the Curse Program, the Week in Effin' Review. We'll be live at 12.01 a.m. Eastern Standard Time tonight at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. Well, I don't know. I'm assuming there's a Locals app. I know there's a Patreon app. You can listen to it on your phone wherever you want. So uh, check that out. Please support the program. Spread the word. Be ready. Be back here for an abbreviated week, but a week nonetheless for Thanksgiving. I'll see you guys uh, either midnight or on Monday. Thanks for listening.